Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 22, Green Day. You know, I'll be honest with you, I I really wanted to call this episode Back in Black, <laughs> Because we went on a little run yesterday and had a green another green day. It felt really good. And I, <clears throat> you know, we're getting closer to the point where we'd be back in the black on our investment. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't mind saying that. That number for us is about $42 a share. If we get to $42 a share, we're, we should be back in the black. Because we bought at all different levels. And I'll talk about that later. Um, but I really, I really wanted to call it Back in Black. So who knows, maybe in the future, when you, when you see the episode Back in Black, then you know, like, all right, we're, we're Back in Black. Um, because at that point, then we can get out of this. We can sell all our stock and be done with AMC. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, however, it would feel good that in an emergency situation, we would not have lost money on this. Um, and I wouldn't get killed by my wife. Right. Another one of my harebrained hair-brained, uh, schemes gone awry. But no, that's not the plan to get back in the black and sell. And it's not to double our money or triple our money, um, even though that would be nice. You know, I'll take that. But the plan is life-changing money. That literally this is, you know, there's how many times in your life are you going to get a chance to get explosive growth on your money. Not many. Maybe you go to Vegas. Maybe you make a crazy bet on a sporting event, um, a possible crime, um, inheritance, or maybe you get lucky with a business idea. You know, but it's not every day that an average person can make that kind of life-changing money just by making a few investment decisions. Now, in our case, we were lucky. I had some some you know money in my Roth that I could play with that I felt comfortable like I'm not tinkering with my you know 401k and my retirement this Roth money is just kind of there you know eh, it's a, it's a small enough position and I'm flexible with it that I can play with that and then again I talked about this before on the podcast when we when we first started doing this we did not have a lot of cash on hand to make a lot of cash investments individual accounts that that if if, if AMC hit we wouldn't be able to touch that money for seven years. And then we made a few small cash investments in individual accounts. Um, but as the hedge as the hedge funds battled this out, that gave us more time to, you know, you know, I started making more money and investing that. And you know, week by week we expanded our position um in the individual account. So if it did hit now, we do have a decent position that we would have access to, to that money now. So anyway, um, I know the last couple podcasts were, were you know, kind of down. And that's okay. That's, that's a part of life. You know, I'm not one of these people that everything's got to be positive. You know, it's oh, always probably ever meet the people that like, everything's positive and the bright side. And, you know, that's great. If that, if that works for them, that's wonderful. You know, to each his own. I, I react to, you know, reality. You know, that's just me. When things are good, I'm in a good mood, maybe too good a mood. And when things are bad, you know, I see it that way. I see it as a challenge. How do you make it better? 
or you, you know, you deal with those feelings. You know, you're allowed to have those feelings. Um, in the last couple of days, there were some, you know, coming back to earth moments for me. And that's all right. You know, talk about them. What can you do? Where do you go from here? You know, you are here. And where do you go? And um, we'll, we'll talk about some of those developments as well in this one. But most of all, I want to say, hey, th- you know, we had a green day and that's good. And you see those numbers, you know, go up. So I want to talk about that. Um, there was a lot of confidence going into this week because we had some green days the previous week. A long way to go. Oh, my gosh, is there a long way to go? Right. Like I said, we're not even in the black on our investment. <laughs> you know, we're down. But you know what? We're going the right direction. And I think you have to, you know, get the positive vibes you can get from that. Don't be down. That like, oh, I'm still, you know, we've still lost money on this AMC right now. You know, take the positive when you can get it and and get strength from that. So it was nice that, you know, there was some positivity going into the week. And I've seen that before where everybody's positive or like, oh, it's, this is it, the MOAS, it's going to happen this week. I feel it, I feel it. And then the week comes and bam, you get slammed by the hedge funds, ladder attacked, and they just knock it down back into the low 30s again. And it feels terrible. But this week this start, this week started off good, and I'll, I'll tell you how good it was. So I woke up, and I saw that you know we were up like a buck um, in the pre-market. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's good. Normally, I wake up in the middle of the night now anyway, and I always check it. And, and then um, I, I had my phone by my bedside, and I was kind of watching the number, and I drifted off to sleep. So I was having this this dream that I was at some business or something, and I had like a company party. And um, I guess the, maybe it got too loud, and some of the neighbors were complaining. So the, the cop came to the party to tell everyone to quiet, knock it off. Anyway, um, and then uh, as soon as the cop left, the party just got louder. And like some of the people went out into the street and were causing a ruckus outside, maybe too much of a ruckus. And I'm watching this, and... Um, and then all of a sudden I look up and I and I and I see my phone and I see the AMC price jumping like 10, 20 cents. And I'm like, well, am I dreaming this or or is this real? And I, you know, I woke up and I'm looking at it, and yeah, it was it was really jumping. And that's what I love to see. Not the penny, but that 10 cents, that the 20 cents, like really those strong movements. And I think when the when the MOAS hits, that's you know supposedly what we're going to see these really big jumps and I thought oh it's kind of like an earthquake you know it's a tremor is it a little tremor or is this a big shaker and uh, anyway it woke me up from my dream so there I was you know at this great party <laughs> in my dream party and then all of a sudden I look up at the ticker and it's like whoop gotta go guys uh, you know reality beckons so it was and and then it, you know what the 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 good vibes kept going that day it kept going you know you started in the, I think it was like. 34 and you kept going oh get to 35 get to 35 then again you then like oh if we can just, and then it gets to 36 and it just kept going and you know we got to 37 and in change and then it came back down towards the end of the day um, but it closed right at you know right at 37 and right now as i'm recording this at uh, uh i guess 6 30 eastern time 3 30 a.m uh, pacific time on tuesday i think it's august 24th um it's at 37 dollars so that's you know it's staying strong hasn't hasn't dipped too much in pre if anything it's up a penny i guess um so that's that's good and uh it was nice um 
nice to do that. And it, but it, and it still reminds me of the first time I really we really saw it rip. And I still remember that moment when I first got into this gambit. And you you know you're not sure you're taking a chance. And I, I remember the, when I really got hooked was it had it done okay, and I think it closed aftermarket, and the aftermarket one really jumped. And I just I just watched the stock go. I don't know if it went up a couple bucks or what it was, but like I thought that was super unusual. And of course, I didn't know anything about stocks to be quite honest with you. I barely even understood there was an aftermarket. I kind of knew that, um, but the stock kept trading after hours. Um, and uh, but anyway, but seeing that kind of movement after hour, I thought, oh, you know, this was to me. I just looked at it as like an earthquake. Like there's a big tremor here. Um, something's going on. This thing's gonna. You know this thing's gonna blow. So that night is when um, I made I, I opened up. You know my I know I know it's taboo, but I opened up a Robinhood account and got instant funding. Opened up a Webull account and got my money from Webull, and then I think I made my wife <laughs> open up her Robinhood account as well. Um, and I don't know if that was the next day or what, but uh, it, at any rate, that's that's around the time, and it went. And and it's funny, like people say, you know. Why are you invested in this? Why do you stick with it? And I ask myself that sometimes. And I I, lo I love talking about movies. You know that. And I think of the, the there's a scene in Zero Dark Thirty when the SEALs are, you know, preparing for their mission. And, and they sort of have their doubts. Some of them have their doubts because they've been on this mission before to get Osama bin Laden. And they're talking to him. And it's like, and I, I think it's Chris Pratt asked one of the other SEALs. He's like, well, why, you know, why, what, you know, what good would, why do you think that he's really there? You think he's really there? And you know, one of the sales, the seals is you know he kind of motions to Jessica Chastain is like her, you know, her confidence. She's she's what gives me faith in this. And in my Jessica Chastain in this is that first rip when it went from what thirty something to to seventy two to the sixties to see that to know it can happen that that's unusual. Maybe it never happens again. Maybe it's the mother of all short squeezes, but to see that, that's what gives me faith. I watched it with my own eyes as me and my wife drove to the auto dealership to, you know, either pick up or, or to drop off our car. You know, we, we saw this and um, that's right. We were dropping off the car because my wife was in the other car at the time because we were talking on the cell phone. So that's what gives me faith. Um, in fact, so much faith that I bought a couple shares yesterday, being the uh, <coughs> addict and not knowing when when to say when. You know, I bought two more shares. And what's interesting, if you look at my buy history, um, you'll see this a lot. That I that a lot of you know we don't have a ton of money, but like when I think that okay, this is it, it's going up, and it's going to get to a point where I can't afford to buy anymore. It's like buying the last the last two shares that I could buy right before it gets back to. $50, $60 a share, right? And um, you see it a lot on my account. And usually what will happen is this. I, I see it run a little bit, but it's still fairly um, fairly a good buy. Like in the, you know, especially now in the low 30s, mid 30s. Uh, before it was in the 40s, sometimes in the 50s, low 50s. I thought that was the good buy when it was still like 52, 54. You'll see a couple of times I bought it then. Anyway, um <clears throat> And usually what will happen is I'll buy it. And then as soon as I buy it, <clears throat> as soon as I buy it, it starts to dip. And, um, you know, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? 
And this time, what was what was more interesting about this one, this buy, was it was pre-market. And I'm smart enough to know that, oh, you know, it always goes up in the pre-market. And then when it opens, you know, it usually always goes down. Sometimes it goes up a little bit, but then it always gets driven down. So if you just wait, if you just wait, you'll get a better deal. Well, in this instance, we're only talking about two shares of stock, not two million shares where, you know, 50 cents on two million shares is a big deal. Two shares, 50 cents is nothing, quite honestly. It's it, you go If you're worried about, you know, buying at a certain price, go to your sofa and pick out the change in your sofa or in your car, and it probably equals the amount of, you know, what you would pay in the difference in the stock. So I went, I went ahead and did it, you know, pre-market anyway, because I thought, you know, what if it does take off at, at market? Like it could be one of these days when it, you know, finally really, really runs. And I've always planned for that, you know. Um, sometimes I've been a little more patient, but I've always planned for it to just take off, especially in the beginning. In the beginning, I was like, just give me the shares, just give me the shares. I don't care, you know. Just give me the shares, and I wanted them in my account because I. Who cares if you buy it at fifty, sixty dollars when you plan on selling it for ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars a share? It's irrelevant at that point. Um, and that was always my mentality. Uh, so at any rate, I bought my shares and and I waited, and it went down. And again, I didn't kill myself over that because it was really just a few bucks. It was only two shares. Um, but then it went back up and it was so awesome. So I bought it around 34. I think I put $72 into an account and bought two shares figuring like, it would, you know, at the most, if it got to like $36 a share. So I think it was not 35. It must've been 35 because I was counting on it being 70. Um, so it was like 35 and change that I bought it at. So the fact that it went up, at least on that, that little bit of investment that it, it went up. So if it stays above then, then those were, those were two good buys. And I always say, I hope those are the last two shares of AMC I buy before the squeeze, that it just gets too expensive for us to buy it at that point. So I bought that. And um, and then here's the other thing. You always talk, you hear talk about people about like, you know, I, I look, I watch, the, I watch the ticker. I know you're not supposed to. I watch it. I think part of it for me is I, you know, I'm not a big gambler, you know, but when I do, I usually play slot machines. And, you know, it, part of it is, yes, the money. I like getting the money, but you know, it is like a drug. Your brain really, when you win money, your brain releases chemicals and it feels good and you feel alive. Like I'll, if I, I again, I don't go to casinos much, but I do notice this and, and, it, and I think it's important about any kind of addiction. Um, and I have much more sympathy for, you know, people that are addicts because I, I get the feeling like, like I'll go into a casino and if I gamble, I know when I leave that casino, my brain is on fire. Like I think if you took a picture of my brain before I went into the casino and when it took a picture of my brain after I left, you just see it like totally lit up. It's like one of those, you, you know, um, you ever see the picture of, of North Korea, of Korea at night and you look at South Korea and it's all lit up and North Korea is black basically. And that's how I feel like going into the casino, it's North Korea where it's black and then coming out, it's like South Korea. It's all lit up. And that's, that's how I feel that, and, and watching the ticker, you know, when it goes up, it's like that. It is like a little drug because it's, it's money. I mean, is there anything better than making money for doing absolutely nothing? The greatest, greatest feeling in the world. I suppose there's actually, if you work hard and you, and you make money, that, that feels pretty good too. Um, but to get money for nothing is, is pretty awesome. And if I had to pick the two, you know, working, 20 years, uh, you know, for a, you know, you know, 
a decent retirement or 40 years for a decent retirement or like, hey, you know, make a few investments and you'll never have to work a day in your life and your kid will never have to work a day in your life. I'll take the latter. I'll take the the uh, the mother of all short squeezes. Um, but but it does feel that way. So anyway, so it was a good day yesterday. You know, it kept going up and up and up. Yes, it dipped a little bit at the end and, and, and during the day it would go back a little bit, but then it would climb again and you could see those patterns. Um, so it was a good day, good day to, to be an AMC ape. It did stop. You know, that's the thing. I just wanted to keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's, and that's the squeeze. Like it hits that next level and then it goes to the next level. And, and anytime we seem to have these runs now, it always kind of stops in the high thirties, maybe it gets to, you know, the low forties. I think, you know, not too long ago, it got back up to the low forties and then it got knocked back down again. I think, um, so, so we got out. It was my wife. I mentioned before it's my wife's birthday. So today was her. She took the day off today from work, and and obviously I didn't work. And the kids don't have school yet. So we all went up to the on the Columbia River Gorge, which is gorgeous, Hood River, um, nice little town. And you know we go up there and we have lunch, and then we get to hang out at the at the Columbia River. There's you know areas for kids to play and stuff. Um, so it was a good day. And of course we had the phones. You know we were watching the stock for some of it, and on the drive up, you know you just put the phone on the dash and you can watch the number and you know keep track of it and it was and it was a good day a couple times when it went down we would turn the phone off uh, but it didn't tank you know which is good you know went back down to a number that you know like hey earlier that day we, we could you know we were really hoping that it would get there you know when it's at 34 and you know you're just hoping that it gets to 35 and you know, if someone tells you, okay, well, it's going to get to, you know, 37 today, you know, you say, all right, well, I'll take that. So like right now it's 37, you know, if it closed at 39 today, like, okay, I'll take that better than 33. I'd love it to get to, you know, around, you know, around 41, 42 again, you know, we'd be in the black at that point. So anyway, you know, it was, it was, it was a really good day. And I remember it was beautiful. The sun was out and it's funny, like, when, I'll tell you a story. When I was in college once, I was a junior transfer. So I was at the school before I transferred to the my final college. I, I graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. But before that, I was at East Carolina University. And, um, you know, I was just out with out with some friends, you know, from a dorm. And every we all went out and we played football. And I remember when we were so at this park, <clears throat> it's all just a bunch of college kids. And we're all just kind of playing, you know, college football. And it's guys and girls there. So it's kind of a fun mix, you know. And and I remember just kind of, you know, I don't know if being cynical is the right word. But I remember sitting there thinking like, oh, the, you know, these are supposed to be the days that I look back in college to and remember, you know. Like, oh, or, you know, it's like a stupid commercial, you know, about college or a cliched scene where the kids are playing touch football and stuff. Um but it's funny, like I do look back on that day and it was special and it was fun. And it was it was the days that I remember. And I remember sitting there, you know, we're at this um uh it's called the the the, the White Gorge House, I think, or the Gorge White House, the Gorge White House, I think. But it's a, a little farm they grow flowers and, and uh you can pick fruit there. Um and they have this awesome little food truck out and they make the best sandwich in uh in oregon as far as i'm concerned and the view you get to eat there is awesome just beautiful hills and farms and you can see you know you can walk over and see mount hood and just just a gorgeous area so i'm sitting there with my kids and my wife sun's out you know having a green day and thinking you know these this is going to be a time that you remember you know in all of this if it does hit you know you'll remember this day 
uh, this, you know, beautiful sunny day when, yeah, we were kind of watching the ticker. It's not like, oh, we turned off the ticker and enjoyed live. Look, we're, we're realistic. We watch, we still watch the ticker and we talk about it. Um, but it was a beautiful day and, and I enjoyed it and it was nice. And I hope it is one of those days that I look back on and, and is special. So I hope you enjoyed your green day too. I think green days, <laughs> appreciate them. Even if it's not the mother of all squeezes, because um, there's going to be some red days and days that you don't like. So enjoy enjoy the, the good news, too. It's funny, I talk about, you know, being a writer in Hollywood. And I never really had a career in it and never had the big break. But every once in a while, you'd get a little break. You know, you'd sign with an agent or you'd get a meeting or you'd have a script that people seemed to like or an idea and you felt good. And I learned to let myself have those moments. You know, even though it wasn't a career and I could be a full-time writer, I learned to celebrate the good moments because there's enough of the bad moments that, you know, when times are good, enjoy those and soak it up. And it's kind of like living in, in Oregon, in Portland. Um, you know, by September, it's it gets cloudy and overcast here and rainy. And it is literally like that from September to about April, at least. That, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's usually raining or drizzling every day and it's cold and it's, the skies are gray and it, and it's kind of, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of miserable. Now, I think that's what keeps Portland from being Southern California, meaning if you ever go down to, the weather's great in Southern California most of the time, um, but it's very crowded, very expensive. And I think that, you know, our summers here are awesome in Oregon. Um, but I think that gray period keeps a lot of people away and as as well it should because it's tough. It's tough getting through those um those months. So when it's summertime, soak it up. Enjoy it. Sunny days, eat them up. Take it um and remember it because you'll need it uh, you know, come October, November, when it's gray and cloudy and uh you're just dying for a sunny day. So that's um it was a good day to be an AMC investor. Some of the other stuff going on in my life, um, you know, unfortunately, I did that. You know, I, I mentioned I had a, a quick phone interview, and um, I got an email from the company saying, you know what, they're they're gonna they're gonna hire somebody else. So I never actually got a real interview from it. You know, which is to be quite honest, probably a good thing. I think I I think I had a couple bad days, and I was like, well, that's it. I got to go get a real job now. Which it, I probably do at a certain at a certain point, but you know, by working Instacart, I can still bring income in, and we still get to keep the flexibility in our life. Um, and I can still, you know, keep one eye on AMC, do my podcast, work on the Velf, and I don't have to worry about that distracting me from like a real job. So I think maybe in the end, it was probably for the best that I didn't get it um, for me and the company. But still, you know. Life happens and you make the best out of it. So if I had gotten an interview and gotten the job, I, you know, I'd make the best out of it. But it, I didn't get it, so I'm going to you know, be positive and go forward and, and take advantage of the good things in my life. So, so that's, that's the job. Um, the, other, the other thing that was kind of good, so I mentioned doing the VELF on Kickstarter. The VELF is the vertical Velcro shelf, which which an invention I made. I didn't invent Velcro. I just kind of re rethought the delivery system of it. So the VELF is a, is a you know flat vertical shelf you put on your wall, 
And um, it had been, you know, the Sure Tape company had been looking at it for about a year. So for a year, I didn't do anything with it. I was like, hey, look, you know, it's kind of like you meet the girl that, you know, you want to marry. Um, you stop dating other other girls. You say, this is it. This is this is the girl. And I'm not going to do anything stupid right now to blow it, right? So I didn't do any development, didn't reach out to anybody else. I was like, let I let Sure Tape have their time and they could do whatever they wanted. And I would wait for them. But eventually I heard back. Um, from the product development director saying, look, you know, you probably need to take this somewhere else because we're not going to be doing anything with it anytime soon. So that that's what I decided. All right, well, I, I want to do a Kickstarter. And I did the Kickstarter. I launched it. I didn't, you know, really when you do a Kickstarter, it's a good idea to have a good social media network that knows about your Kickstarter. So when it, when it goes live, people can actually go to it, um, which I didn't do. And so it didn't get a lot of action when it first opened up and then I did then I did some Facebook ads which aren't the greatest in the world but at least it's a way to drive some traffic there um and the the response from that was you know basically nothing you know I got traffic but nobody nobody backed the project so I was feeling kind of down you know it was a down day I did get one backer now whether they came from this podcast whether they came from Facebook or just on Kickstarter in general I was grateful to get that one backer um, and then, and then I, of course, someone pledged a dollar to it, but that was, they're, they're a marketing company and they pledge a dollar to every project. So when you do a Kickstarter, you get a lot of these messages and it's the same companies. Every time I launch a Kickstarter, I get the same company giving me the same message, telling me how amazing my product is and how, what a great job they could do marketing it for me. And I get the same email every time from every company. So I was checking, and I go back online, and I check my, my Kickstarter just to see if anybody else backed it, and I saw I had a message. And cynically, I thought, well, great. It's, it's just another one of these marketers sending me a you know, spam email, how much they can help me. Anyway, so I, I looked at the message, and it was actually from um, a real person, <laughs> and, and, and they were in Europe. And they said, hey, you, know, you, don't, have a, you don't have European shipping down here, and I'm, I'm, interested, in this, I'm interested in this product. So I... And the reason I didn't have it was because, again, before it went live, before reality hit, I thought I was going to sell a million of these things, right? And I thought, well, if I'm going to sell a million of them, I really just want to focus on U.S. shipping. I don't want to do a lot of international shipping on this. You know, that's just going to be way too much a pain in the neck, right? So I didn't set up a, an international option. It was like you had to be in the States to buy it, you know. And I was just going to contend myself with the thousands of orders for the United States. Of course, I had one backer. So like, okay, international shipping is not going to be a big deal. You know, a, f a few more minutes at the post office and maybe a few bucks for the one or two people that would actually do it. So I wrote the, the, the person back and I thanked them for their interest. And I said, you know what? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll set something up. I said, well, one, I said, well, what country are you in? And, um, you know, and, and I'll set something up. So I set up an international option. And the other thing was when I... When I did the original one, I was trying to think, well, how am I going to ship this? And what I found is if I made four of these things they the four, and a few attachments, they fit in perfectly to the, um, the priority mail box, the, the flat rate priority box, the smaller one from, from the post office. So that was one of the reasons why it was U.S. shipping only was I just wanted to use those flat rate boxes to ship it. And I don't, I don't, they, I think there's some international companies that, that they, you can use those too, but I just wanted to make it simple and make it U.S. So that's why the other big reason why it was just U.S. 
So for this, I would probably have to have a bigger box anyway, or I couldn't use that box. So I thought, well, if I'm going to use a different box, I can put more stuff in it. So what I did was I made a deluxe version. So you're going to get the four Velfs, and then I could put in some bins and some other stuff. I have a cool little message center um, that you can make with a little, you know, like a note card holder and a, and a Sharpie and then a note, you know, a little four by, you know, the, the square post-it note pad. And it makes like a perfect message center for this. So I thought, oh, okay, that'd be fun. I could throw a message center in and I could throw a bin in and I'll call that the deluxe and I'll make sure there's international shipping on the deluxe and I can charge a little more because you're putting more in there. But then for this, um, the person that emailed me, I wanted to reward them. So I set them up with their own special. <laughs> so I emailed the guy back and I said, hey, I have international, you know, options. And then I set up three just, you know, for you. And if you have any friends or family you want to refer it to, there's a couple extra there. So if, if you go to the website now, you can find that international um, option if you are interested in it and you, you're not in the United States. There's an international option now if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to, you know, back the VELF and get it. Again, I'm not, look. I'm not trying to sell you it, but I am trying to sell you it only because I think it's an awesome product. And I, and I say that looking up at my wall right now. I have a very small desk in our office. I used to have the big desk in the office, um, but when my wife started working from home full time and I was on, out doing Instacart, there was no reason for me to have the big desk anymore. So I let my wife have the big desk. So I have just a small desk that I put, a temporary desk that I put my computer on. And there's not a lot of space and it can get really crowded. Well, now I put a cup, I put a couple of velfs on the wall and some hooks and some bins and all that stuff that was sitting on my desk, cluttering it up. It's all on the wall right now. And it's not underneath stuff. It's not underneath notebooks or papers or trash. It's all right there. I have a lot of little adapters and everything. They're all, you know, tiny things, you know, some size of a quarter. They're all on the VELF now, and I can see them all. So at any rate, um, it is a cool little product. It is, it is, it does meet resistance because it, it forces you to one, rethink how you use your wall space and the idea of a shelf. Two, it, re, it makes you rethink how you use Velcro. Um, I noticed that when people, when I when on the Facebook ads, the comments where I be, it's like I have to put Velcro on everything. That's annoying. And I was like, well, you know what's annoying? Losing your stuff, not being able to find your stuff. That's really annoying. Um, like, you know, we have rolls of scotch tape, but we don't have rolls of Velcro that you just don't think of Velcro that way. And, and that's part of the resistance for this product. And that's a challenge. That's a real challenge. So at any rate, um, that's there. If you do want, if you do want to get it in your international and you can get it. The other thing I did, I was like, you know what? I, you know, I know us apes, we're watching our money because we want to buy shares. I look, I think of that too. <laughs> When did when did buying a share of AMC become a unit of measurement? I, and whenever there's an expense, I think, how many shares of AMC could I have bought with this? Like I ran that Facebook ad, right? And um, it ended up costing me about a hundred bucks to run these Facebook ads. That that could have been three, you know, almost three shares of AMC when it's in the low thirties, right? So I think about that. How much did those Facebook ads really cost me? Think about that. You know, I'm sitting here trying to do this stupid VELF. And just on the Facebook ads alone, if I had invested those that money into three shares of AMC, and then AMC, even if AMC goes to, you know, $200, $300, you know, how much would those shares be worth? You know, probably a lot more than I'm going to make on the VELF in any, any near future, if ever. So at any rate, um, I, did, I did set up an AMC special. So if you go to... 
um, you, when you go to our websites and, and get directions to the, the Kickstarter. So the, the two websites I have set up are thevelf.com, T-H-E-V-E-L-F.com, thevelf.com, and then also velveveveryroom.com. If you go to both those sites, they're really simple websites. Forgive how simple they are. They're basically just redirects or links to the Kickstarter Um and 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 if you just go to Kickstarter, you can you know and look up the Velf or uh, Velf every day. You should be able to find that site. But anyway, I set up um, a special. Uh, it's a it's a eight oh one ape special, and so it's eight dollars, and you get one. You basically get one Velf for eight dollars plus shipping. And uh, if you want to support it, and you don't want to spend a lot of money, that's probably your your cheapest option. Um, and there's, 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 I think there's, um, I don't know if I have eight of them on there or it's, it's pretty limited in numbers, not that it really matters. Uh, but if you do want to go, you want to see it, you want to support it, you can go there. You can also do, if you, if you go, you can also just pledge a dollar, you know, and send me a message, say, Hey, I'm an ape. I listen to your podcast and I wanted to, you know, show some support. Even if it's just a dollar, I'd, you know, anything like that, I'd appreciate. Um, but you don't have to, it's just there if you want to, I appreciate you just listening to this podcast. And again, this podcast is about good things. And also, anyway, so here's the good news on the German backer. So I sent that to him, and he backed it. So now I have two backers. I'm halfway to my goal of raising the $200. And the thing about Kickstarter is if you don't meet your goal, you don't get any of the money. You know, you set your goal to raise $200. And if you raise $100.99 or $199, you know, it's not successful. Now, other fundraisers, you do get to keep that money. But Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. So right now I still have plenty of time and I'm halfway there. So I'm hoping I'm going to get to, you know, $200. I hope to raise much more than that, but I don't, you know, I don't need the money to create a mold or, you know, do manufacturing. Everything I can be bought off the shelf. So it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, so if you want to support the Velf, I, I appreciate it. And I'll keep you updated on that. I don't know if anybody, you know, ha- has ideas for inventions or wants to do Kickstarter or is curious about Facebook ads. Um, but I hope, you know, I hope that interests you with some of this AMC. Who knows? Maybe you get your AMC money and maybe you want to start a little business or you had an idea and now you've got the money to pursue it. Hopefully some of the things we've talked about here, you know, help you. It's a tough road. I'll be honest. Um, it's a, it's a tough little racket inventing stuff and, and starting businesses, but you know what? It, it makes me feel good. And, you know, I talked about gambling and how it lights up my brain when I'm working on a project, it lights up my brain. I just go into kind of a frenzy, um, whether it's product development or coming up with the, the videos for it and just, just, or maybe it's just delusions of grandeur. I don't know. Um, but when I'm working on something, I just get into this state and I feel alive I don't know if you're Breaking Bad fans out there, you know, at the very end of the series, you know, he's talking to his wife and always through the series, he would say, you know, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my family. And finally, at the end, he admits, I did it because it made me feel good. It made me feel alive. And that's part of the thing when I do these things, um, these Kickstarters or products and even this podcast, it makes me feel alive. I don't make any money. Certainly the podcast, I don't make any money on, um, it just makes me feel good. And the fact that you're out there listening, I really appreciate that. So thank you for listening. Um, I do I do appreciate it. I told you, I've said this on the podcast before, this podcast, I have two podcasts. I have the Stories for Kids podcast, which gets regularly, you know, you know, about 100 listeners a day. 
Um, if we're active, you know, putting out new episodes, we'd ha- I can count on for sure at least 100 kids a day listening to that story, which means something to me. Because my kids listen to podcasts. You know, they don't even, they, you know, their favorite podcast isn't the one I do. It's another one. So I know how excited they are when a new po- episode comes out or just listening to that podcast. So knowing that, hey, I'm putting something out there that kids are listening to means a lot. Um, and then I had this other one that was just kind of dormant. That you know, I I you know, I put some novels on there, some audio versions of my novels, uh, which you're welcome to listen to. A universe apart and zone are on here. If you're ever bored, and you want something to do, check out those. Um, they're free. You can listen to them. Um, but it just wasn't getting any action. And then I and I thought, you know what? I I was to the point where I needed an outlet for some of the feelings and emotions I was going through as an AMC investor, and I just didn't have many people I could talk to about it. So I thought, you know what? Do it as a podcast. And my whole goal with the podcast was not to, you know, be like a Trey Trades or a Matt Coors or the Mast Investor where every day they're they're like news, right? And, you know, are you really going to go back and listen to an old episode of, of one of these, these YouTubers? Maybe, maybe for historical context or a clip, it might be interesting. And I really wanted to do this podcast as a story, as an investor. And that's why I started at the beginning, told you the story about the Facebook stock, Told you the story about seeing Game GameStop, um, and then you know gradually my decision to you know become an investor and go all in and the challenges, the good and the bad of that, and that's hopefully at the end of this that you'll be able to you know listen to episode one and go all the way through and see what it was like to be an investor. And, you know, sometime it was looking back, especially at the beginning, but right now it's real time. What does it feel like to be an investor now? Knowing that, you know, hey, am I close to being a millionaire? Am I already secretly a millionaire right now? We always hear rumors about what the real price of AMC is. Or am I going to be taken like the people that invested in Enron and all these and all these other stocks that, uh, you know, what is it? What's the pet.com or something? You know, one of these dot com people that get caught up in that and, and go broke you know, what's this story going to be? And you can listen to it in real time as you are doing now. But anyway, some days are good and some days are bad. And and right now, you know, we're in a good period. Right now, the stock is still hanging in there. It's pre-market. It's it's about 4 a.m. Um, it's for about 4 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 4 a.m. Pacific time, 7 a.m. Eastern time. And it's still sitting at $37. So it isn't jumping like it did yesterday. But it's hanging in there. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of a day it is. Again, I'm I'm not a technical um, financial advisor. You know, I'm not going to tell you, well, it's this trend or that trend. Um, it isn't jumping a whole lot. So maybe that's not a good sign. It, it's just kind of hanging in there. But it's also not going down. So it's pretty simple. You know, it's like the weather rock. If the, if the rock is wet, it's raining. <laughs> if it's hot, it's sunny. <laughs> if it's cold, you know, is it, is it you know, cold? It's, you know, does it have snow on it? Then it's snowing. Anyway, um, I hope you have a, a good day. Uh, I hope we have a green day, another green day. I hope we have another green week. And, um, uh, and you know, as funny as I say that, it's finally starting to jumping down. I think at the top of the hour, I think it always kind of jumps around as, as maybe new markets open up. So now it's at 3708. So it is jumping around a little bit and it's going going in the right direction. Anyway, well thanks for, for thanks again for listening to the podcast and I, I really appreciate it. And I hope to all my fellow apes out there, you know, we all want the mother of short squeezes to come. Can't come soon enough for me. <laughs> and maybe that will be the next episode of the AMC stock story. <laughs>